What is going on, Cultivate family? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're all having a good week whenever it is that you are listening to this. It's currently Thursday evening for me. I honestly don't know where this week has gone. I'm going away on Sunday and I'm giving my first fitness industry talk on Saturday. I don't know what you call it. And I've done a lot of public speaking in my time as a musician. I've sat on music industry panels. I've sat on mental health panels in front of lots of people. But for this, I'm a little more apprehensive because obviously things like music and mental health advocation is things that I've done for years. And talking about something in a career that I haven't done for a really long amount of time gives me a little bit of imposter syndrome. My talk is on embracing fitness for all bodies and it's very much in a mainstream fitness space to the general population. So I'm really interested to see how my flavor of things goes down. I just keep reminding myself that I should just be myself and I should just tell my story because that's what I tell someone else to do from a coach perspective. And I'm going to record my talk as a podcast for you lot, which you can listen to next week. So if you aren't actually coming to the event on Saturday, as many of you won't be because you're from all over the world, you will get to hear it on the podcast instead. I've actually started a little telegram group completely free for anyone to join. I just want everyone to have a nice space to talk about all things fitness and well-being in. So I'll pop the link in the show notes. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while or following me on Instagram and whatnot, please feel free to join. I would absolutely love to have you. Now, today's guest is the absolutely incredible Beth Robinson. You might know her as Sporty Beth on the internet. She is a vlogger, she is an athlete, she is a content creator. Now, Beth is primarily known as a CrossFitter. She was also on the show SAS, Who Dares Wins, a few years ago, pre-pandemic, I think that was. And the thing that really, really locked me in with her content was seeing someone in a soft body doing CrossFit. And this isn't a podcast where we're going to talk about CrossFit, not at all. Beth actually has a really similar story to me. We have a history of eating disorder. We have a history of PTSD. I'm going to actually give some trigger warnings before we go into the episode now, because we discuss eating disorders. We discuss PTSD. We discuss bulimia, food tracking, calories, some quite sensitive stuff. So if you're not in a spot to hear that right now, feel free to hit pause and come back to it whenever it suits you. I was really nervous to actually reach out to Beth's agent because this is a relatively small podcast and Beth is becoming very much a household name in the fitness industry for her incredible content for embracing fitness as someone in a larger body. And if you haven't checked any of her vlogs out, if you haven't checked out any of her Instagram Reels. She's just an awesome person to follow. Very real, very authentic. We have become internet friends since, which is a really nice thing to come out of it. But I really, really loved this chat and I also laughed a lot. It was just really nice to talk to someone that exists in a different circle of the industry to me, but has such a similar story to me. And I know that a lot of you lot will really connect with Best Story and her journey of intuitive eating body acceptance, her journey out of ED recovery and healing her relationship with exercise and overtraining. So without further ado, Cultivate Family, this is Beth Robinson. I hope you love it. 
Beth, welcome to the Cultivate podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so, so much. How are you doing? How are you feeling? It's Monday. I never normally do these on a Monday. How has your Monday been? (laughs) Yeah, it's been good. I'm really excited to be on it. As you know, I've been binge listening to all of your episodes. I'm going to run out of episodes soon because I think there's only 10 so far, isn't there? Well, Um, you'll have two more soon. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I probably won't listen to my own. That'll be weird because I know what I've said. And Monday's been good. It's just a bit hectic as usual. It's like my programming day. And then I, I do a time block, like you say, to time block. But I haven't been time blocking in my rest, <laughs> which I've now started doing. But um, I, yeah, I went a bit outside of the lines today just because everything, yeah, you know when things just take longer than they should. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go on different tangents, especially working at home all day. For our people that might not have heard of you before, can you give us a little bit of an intro? Yeah. So I'm like Sporty Beth on Instagram. I'm really sporty in lots of different areas, but my main sport is like CrossFit. And I started off my kind of account as like... um just a person that does CrossFit, I guess. And I like, I think I probably aspired to be like a really good CrossFit athlete. And then went down the route of, I ended up on the TV on SAS Who Does Wins and then gained a bit of fo- following through that. And I've always struggled with like mental health, um, eating disorders, loads of different things. I've got a ton of diagnosis and I've just struggled generally. And I've been really open about that. And then through lockdown, I had a lot more struggles and had to really address a lot of my body image issues. And my content kind of turned into that before I had a load of men following me that were basically just leering at me, which I hated. And now I was like, I really want to make my page something good and helpful for like women or just people that feel like they look like me. And I just don't want to be leered at really. And I, I look because there's like trauma there. And I also, I just want to make other people feel good about their body. So that's the way my content kind of changed over the years. And that's where I am now. I'm like more body acceptance, body neutrality within sport and fitness. Nice. And we've, this is literally the first time we've met. We've been talking a little bit this last week and mm. I I followed you on Instagram for a long time but I like I've had this phase of getting into YouTube and yeah. I realized you had a YouTube mm. and I got into YouTube watching lots of athletes and then realized when you had yours and obviously in a lot of your videos you are very vocal about like your story and your journey I think unknowingly I've watched the season of SAS that you're on as well Um, (laughs) because I used to watch it. We have a lot of similarities and you are maybe one of the first people that I found that did CrossFit that took a lot more inclusive approach to it. And obviously we had Tyler on here before and your name came up. And ever Mm. since then, I've been like, oh, I would love to get you on here to talk about a lot of that. Um, Both of us very much have like a history of eating disorder, a history of trauma, body acceptance, working towards body neutrality. We're both self-employed. And although it's not necessarily the same struggles, we very much have similarities in our stories. And I know that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast struggle with a lot of the things that both of us have. Absolutely buzzing to get you on am I right in saying you used to be a teacher 
Yeah, so it's weird because it's just been my anniversary of like quitting my job. So the start of the school year last year, I handed in my notice on the first day and my boss was shocked (laughs) and he didn't know that I had any sort of social media platform other than like having been on the TV, they knew about that because they let me go. It was like out of nowhere and he's just like, oh my God. (laughs) So it's been a year. Yeah, it's been a year. Amazing. (laughs) How have you found it? amazing <laughs> i've been like doing bits on the side like a like a side hustle thing i guess although i hate the word hustle but for a very long time and i've been self-employed since i uh, left university i was an artist and made jewelry and sculptures and all of that sort of stuff um so i've just been perpetually self-employed but it never got to a point where i could quit my main job i worked really hard over the summer this time last year to kind of build i qualified as a pt because i had a lot of knowledge but i just didn't have the certifications and like obviously i as a teacher i'd like taught pe i'd like taught sport in lots of different ways but i didn't have the personal trainer certification so i wanted that and then i built a programming base off of teaching scaled athletes how to do strict pull-ups and some of the gymnastics movements and then branched out into other things and it built to the point where I could quit and I was like oh my god (laughs) it's crazy but I realized it's like 90% of crossfitters are like they don't get to quarterfinals it's only 10% they get through and I was like that is a massive market like nobody's serving them so I was just like there's just so many people there I can help (laughs) yeah and I think it's like it's content like yours that makes it seem more possible for people that aren't just seeing like men running around with their tops off doing like loads of muscle ups or like ring muscle yeah. up you've got things on how to get your first strict pull up you've got gymnastics for beginners and functional fitness yeah. for beginners as well and it's yeah it's wicked just to see someone not quite in the same world but yeah. like you're doing the same thing as me in a different spot yeah it's like my mainly target, like larger bodied athletes, um, people. I, I'm a, I'm probably around 110 kilos at the moment. And even at 75 kilos, I was still trying to lose weight in order to get better at gymnastics. And that was just horrendous. And also I hear from so many people that their coaches have told them even when they're 70 odd kilos that they need to lose weight. And I just really wanted to prove that wrong. So... Yeah, that's wild actually. Cause I think I'm about I'm I probably go between about seventy to seventy seven, like yeah. at any given point. I've definitely like seen videos where people that run like CrossFit blogs or programming for people will say, Oh, to get better at gymnastics, you can just like cut a bit of weight because then you're lighter yeah. to throw yourself around and it's like hmm. Just like like, A, it's that easy and being like half the population doesn't struggle with eating disorders or disordered eating of some sort. Like it's just so ignorant that approach. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, and also it's very much the cool thing about all the different elements of training is like working towards it and getting better at it and you're kind of out there proving everyone wrong and you do a lot of like pull-up reels that um, may, like show you doing them and it's it's awesome and I think it just shows that it's just like it just makes everybody that's doing that other stuff redundant which is lovely <laughs> <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I just know I needed to see the kind of content I make that's what I do I kind of make the stuff that I know I need to see and I almost do it to coach myself through it too 100 percent. and you have like you work with a few brands as well and yeah before we hopped on this call you mentioned you have like someone to help you with brand stuff do you get many like toxic companies approaching you that just don't align with your vibes 
I think we get loads. A, a couple of them do come through to my email, but I've put Cheska's email in 99% of my little entries. So the most of yeah. them don't come through, but some I do see and some try and DM me. And there is, yeah, there's a load of stuff like that, like meal replacement stuff. And when they're, when they're saying that, I, li- <laughs> I will occasionally go for them. I'll be like, look, you're targeting someone that has struggled with eating disorders. Like this is a terrible thing to be trying to advertise, not only to me, but to my audience that like I try and create a safe space for people that have struggled with diet culture eating disorders all of that but most of the time because I think also Jessica knows how triggering that can be for me she deals with all of that and she vets them and a lot of the time I think people assume that content creators that take on brand deals like a lot of it is like inauthentic but for me it's the opposite like we vet everybody and one of the main brands that I work with wore my absolute dream brand that I wore for four years before we even considered working with them yeah and most of them are like that they're not like skinny tees <laughs> oh. yeah no what's yeah. what's the is it like booty or I don't oh, know yeah. the really bad I one they I hang hate. a lot I think that's why people go for it yeah um, I just think I just can't imagine any any amount of money to post, to post that and like I'm definitely saying that from a place of privilege for sure but like at the same yeah. time the online coaching world is very very unregulated and by we're very much in line with our morals and our values always without compromise and I do see some interesting things that content creators Mm -hmm. or like fitness influencers are pushing and I'm like I wonder how much the paycheck is for that what was I literally saw one today um the guy that got the my protein tattoo on his back no one could pay me to do that Tommy Fury. No. Yeah, he got um, the My Protein logo tattooed on his back. I'm saying tattooed in inverted commas because I don't think anyone knows what it was real. And I went straight to the comments, obviously, when I saw it. And I don't know if you follow Artie, Artie Speaks on Instagram. I don't think but so. But she was straight in there being like, someone will do anything for money. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's Very horrendous. I, I I come from a weird background though. I don't really value money that much. I grew up in a different family. <laughs> we grew up on a farm and we don't really value possessions or like play the status games of like trying to have all the flashy cars and like the nice clothing and I sort of consciously opt out of it. And also I'm just not educated in it. Like I don't really understand why people think that that's cool like my car is like a full-on banger and I have no reason (laughs) to replace it because it works yeah (laughs) but yeah and my partner likes nice cars so he's kind of trying to get me to get a nice car because it would be slightly more reliable but yeah for me like there's no way I would accept money for something like that but some people I get it like maybe love money and love nice things so yeah there's definitely a whole flavor of online coaches that all have Teslas and Rolexes yeah and the influencer white kitchen. Yeah, like, is that a thing? everything is white and grey and beige. <laughs> and they have a popcorn drawer with like all their syrups and stuff. Talk to me about your journey into fitness. How did you end up getting into CrossFit? What was like the timeline of everything? Oh, all of it. I could talk about all of those things for literal hours. But I was, um, I've always been super sporty. So I grew up on a farm and I've always been quite strong because we were like lugging around like hay bales and feed bags and all that sort of stuff. So I feel quite strongly that people shouldn't compare themselves to my strengths because I have literally been strength training since I was a child in one way or another. And, but I obviously didn't get into weightlifting until later life, like when I was in my 
activities, but I was very sporty in school. I did every single sport under the sun apart from football. And at one point, me and my sister made up the entire athletics team. So there, nobody wanted to do it. And we took all the spots between us. <laughs> nice. Um, in school, I was like a sprinter. Um, I loved like power output stuff. Weirdly, I didn't do any of the throwing. And then I got out of sport because of the societal pressure around being female and being muscular. And I'm also quite tall. And that I just felt all of this pressure to shrink myself and become as small as humanly possible and I also realized that I was like 12 stone which was fine like there was nothing wrong with my weight but my mum was obsessed with being nine stone and I thought I was massive because I was watching all these tv programs so I didn't want to do sport anymore because there was just all this horrible pressure. I don't know if we're the same age but um, that nine stone definitely resonates with me why was that the secret number for my mum, she was nine stone four on her wedding day. And to this day, she wants to get back to nine stone four. And it's just a testament to how damaging that can be like to a child. Like there's just hearing that all the time. Are you a 90s kid or yeah. late 80s? Yeah. yeah, 91 I was born. 91 too. That explains no something. Yeah, I don't know where the secret nine stone goal weight comes from, but I, I, I put it down to 90s diet culture. Some 100%. of the diet programs, I remember all these women coming on like, oh, I'm 12 stone and that being horrendous. And then they wanted to get them down to about nine stone. So it could be that. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I remember being 11 stone and being like made to feel like that was really, really bad. Mm. And inherently that, made me a bad person <laughs> yeah that made me wrong it's it's yeah. hard isn't it so when you opted out of like sports training yeah. what got you back into it so I went to uni and then um like did uni it was really full-on didn't join any of the sports teams because I was still like not doing it so basically I like after a couple of horrendous suicide attempts and also like up and down moods which I I just felt like I was on a roller coaster um and the doctors gave me like tramadol for a vertigo thing which I now have but uh, they shouldn't have given me tramadol to begin with, but they gave me tramadol and apparently that made my bipolar disorder, which I now know is what I had, rapid cycle and that caused the the like suicide attempts. And then so after that, I ended up with a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and they were trying to get me on medications. I tried a few different medications. None of them were really working. And then they were like, I was begging them, like, is there anything I can do that could make a difference between now and this like interim period where I need to try another medication soon? And I think they gave me like three months or something. And they were like, oh, you could try lifestyle changes. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? I hate that (laughs) word. I I hate it too, because it is a brush off a lot of the time, but I didn't know what they meant. And I'm like, I was listening. So I was like, what do you mean? Like, tell me exactly what to do. I will literally try anything at this point. And I know that I'm kind of in a privileged position in that having bipolar disorder means I go through like about a month of like high mood mania and then a week of low mood depression. So it's easier for me to implement these things than it is for people that have depression all the time because you can't get out of bed, like nothing is happening. There's no way you're going to be able to exercise. But for me because I had the mania, (laughs) I had the get up and go. And I also had like this extreme hyperfixation. So 
my family kind of got me into lifting weights a little bit because that was one of the things they said sleep between seven and nine hours a night um, and try and regulate your sleeping pattern try and exercise like five six days a week or try and move your body in some way every day and then try and eat enough vegetables and try and eat like a healthy balanced diet and stress manage because stress is a massive trigger and also decrease my alcohol intake yeah and I did all of those things and then came back like three months later and I didn't need to try any medication because it had worked and at that point I got into CrossFit and uh, it was doing like absolute wonders for my mental health and then I'm still doing it like six years later and now I can't not exercise because I know I'll end up back in that pit if I if (laughs) if I stop because it's it is the thing that I need I just feel like in a way it sort of resets how I feel sometimes um it's probably like the endorphins and they also said that keeping my body like healthy in a way kind of helps regulate that brain chemistry it's something to do with that are you complete crossfit at the moment am i right in saying you do some hybrid stuff yeah i'm really excited about this (laughs) so yeah i've been like full-on crossfit for five four five years Um, and then lockdown happened and i couldn't go to crossfit gym because none of it was good And then at that point, I started to realize my relationship with training was also really disordered along with my relationship with food and everything else. And I started to figure out what I really wanted to do. The gym I was going to close down and I had to go and do like Olympic weightlifting instead because I didn't have the option of a CrossFit gym. And I did a little bit of CrossFit, but I loved Olympic weightlifting. And then I competed in that. But then I got bored of that <laughs> a couple months later. <laughs> and then so I went back to a CrossFit gym. I found a new one that was actually closer than I thought and got back into that, swiftly went up to like five, six days a week. And then I was like, shit, like I don't want to be doing this. My body feels horrendous. I'm exhausted. And actually I've benefited from the decreased intensity. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to sack off all the rules. Like CrossFit tells you that basically you should be doing it like five, six days a week. Like that is the culture. And I'm like, why? Like, (laughs) why is that thing? Why can't I do it recreationally? Why can't I pretend it's just like any other fitness class? And why can't I not care about getting better? Which I know is really controversial. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) like, maybe I don't care about getting better for the Open every year. Maybe I don't even care if I get worse. Maybe I just want to do it just for my mental health and my physical health. So now I'm down to three days a week of CrossFit and I'm doing like a little bit of sea swimming, a little bit of long walks and a little bit of training in a commercial gym with my partner. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, literally what I do. And yeah. Tyler, who we had on the podcast, the CrossFit episode, yeah. same for him, hybrid. The person, Rianne, which will already be out by the time this comes out, also yeah. a former SAS person, actually. She's a hybrid no athlete as well. Oh We're in that world at the moment where like, there's a lot more functional spaces in commercial gyms, so it's kind of easy to smash yeah. out lots of different things. And I've done like a high rocks and they've got a sled push. And today I did a yeah. kind of high rock style workout where I just did like sled pulls and a ski erg for three minutes and it was the best. <laughs> nice, yeah. I'm in high rocks for January and quite a lot of my oh, yeah. clients are as well. That's so that would be fun. <laughs> You'll love it. Yeah, I'm excited. I've watched your videos on High Rocks as well, actually. Oh, no, mate. Yeah, it's sick. (laughs) So you mentioned that in lockdown, you noticed that like your relationship with like exercise had taken a bit of a dive. What made you realize and what what did you kind of action to start working through that? 
I kind of realised that it, it was always bad, actually, and I hadn't. I thought it was good because society tells us that training all the time is a really good thing, but I had this realisation that actually I'd been not doing it wrong, but not doing it in a healthy way since I started. Because very swiftly, I started like double days and like training like I was an actual athlete. Like, well, I mean, I am an athlete, but you know what I mean, like a CrossFit elite athlete. And I, I'm not like I had a regular job and I was just beating myself into the ground with these workouts daily. And then through lockdown, I felt that's what it felt like. It wasn't fun. I felt like I was forcing myself to go into the gym after a really hard day in a very difficult job. And it was just awful. And for the first time, I just really hated training. And then I was like, oh, like maybe, maybe it's supposed to be fun. Maybe it's not supposed to feel like this. Why do I feel like I have to make myself train so much? And then that was just a realization where I was like, actually, this whole time I've had this mindset of like, I have to do this. I have to get better. It's like this constant need to prove my worth and prove myself and also obsession with keeping my body small and trying to weigh as little as possible. It was that realization where I was like, oh shit. (laughs) I was in a constant state and have been my entire life in a constant state of panic mode high stress so I don't know any different until now I do yeah. know different but it it was just nothing to me because I've my whole life has been traumatic <laughs> in like lots of different ways I don't think my body knew what it was like to feel relaxed or okay or not tired or any of it so I think I just kept going because that's what I knew and then because I had some mental health struggles during lockdown it all came crashing down and yeah the the realization just hit me that actually maybe I do need to stop maybe I need to change a lot of things about my life because I am constantly very stressed and also I heard on one of your episodes that you struggled like your hair started falling out you were so stressed and that happened to me really yeah all of these things were happening I'm like clearly I'm and I was my legs get really inflamed as well and like just things started happening with my body that felt like alarm bells yeah, I remember that. I will never forget that morning when I brushed my hair and it's I used to have like shoulder length hair with bangs, like super, super straight. And like my hair has always been a confidence thing. It is now as a trans mask person as well, to be fair. Yeah. It's always been a big part of my identity, mainly because I used to hide behind it. And I was a big emo yeah. at school, so I had big fringe. Oh, no way. Me too. <laughs> Sick. No, I've, still, I've still got a bit of the side fringe going today. Yeah, so I used to have the big fringe and I used to hide behind it. Yeah. Um, and then you know when I got a bit older and I had a bit a little bit more of like a trendy adult hipster haircut um, (laughs) through like PTSD the stress that that caused me like brushing my hair and it like strands of it falling out and I've got really thick hair that was a a shock factor for me because I definitely felt a lot of the mental symptoms of PTSD and I was going to PTSD therapy once a week and I wasn't really able to leave the house at the time. But that that was the bit that hit home for me, like the physical symptoms. Because when you start yeah. feeling those, and it's the same with overtraining, you start to feel that actual physical burnout. It's a lot different. And I think sometimes we inherently in society, we pass off a lot of mental um, stress or we make excuses for it. Or we're like, everyone has to deal with this. But yeah. <laughs> there's just something about the physical for me. It's it definitely like made me stop and be like, oh God, like I need to get better. 
it's hard, isn't it? And I suppose lockdown gave a lot of people a bit of a reset. Did you cut your training days down when you sort of had that realisation? It started the process, but I think I kept fighting it for a while. And it was just so up and down. And then with all the gym changes, like I went through like two or three different gyms before I found the one that I'm at now that I do CrossFit at. And then when I found the new gym, I still signed up for unlimited membership. Yeah. And actually I was doing like two hour sessions because I was doing the Olympic weightlifting before. So no, it's been like a really messy all over the place journey where a lot of the time I have realizations and I'm like, I know that this needs to change, but I cling to it so hard because it's been a crutch in many ways for my mental health issues. And similarly to you, I've also got PTSD and that reared its head majorly during lockdown as well. And then that was, again, it, it like I find training was a way to process things for me sometimes, yeah. but then also it can slip into kind of self-harm, which is really damaging. And then I had a few wake-up calls with that where basically I would have a really severe like PTSD episode. They normally feature at night for me. So I wake up screaming and punching stuff. And then the next day I would find myself going into the gym and just like training way too hard until I was like crying or just like dead on the floor. And then those were like alarm bells that this is, this is really unhealthy. Like I've just traded out other forms of self-harm for like the gym. So then I was like, I need to find a way to work out where I can like limit myself so that I don't end up doing that. Yeah. And I suppose like the the balance that you're getting now, the three CrossFit a week, a little bit of commercial yeah. gym, your walks, your sea swims, it's it's lots of variety and it's it's making something fun. And it can yeah. be really easy to just think you've got to punish yourself with workouts sometimes as well exactly. and think that you've got to feel a bit broken at the end of everything, especially in CrossFit. Yeah. People will brag about feeling broken. I used to be one of those people. <laughs> I used yeah. to like throw up and be like, that's the thing, how cool that was that I trained until I was sick. Like, no, that's not cool. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. That was like my alarm bell, like my red flag is as soon as I felt like it was a punishment, I was like, this is too far. I need to like call it there. Yeah, 100%. Do you ever get tempted to double up on your sessions now? And do you have to like reel yourself back in a little bit? I know I do. My training's like increased a little bit since I've started training at the new gym, but it's because I'm enjoying it so much. I'm now doing like maybe a two hour session, but it's because I'm training with my partner and he does like a little bit of Olympic weightlifting. And then we do like a conditioning piece afterwards. And it's not, it's not massively increased, but there's there's definitely always that temptation. But then also I'm at the moment having this bit of like aversion to intensity. I'm also like on a bit of an intuitive eating journey and I've got a coach that's helping me through that. And he's also kind of coaching me through trying to train more intuitively. And he was saying that how he went through a similar journey. He does CrossFit too. And he ended up like just not wanting to do any intensity. As soon as he took his foot off the pedal, with the kind of intensity of CrossFit and started doing it less, his body was just like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go hard. <laughs> and I feel like that's where I am at the moment. I, I, I'd like it every so often, but even in some CrossFit sessions, I kind of just want to go easy. I hear that. I think like weirdly since I've had high rocks in my mind, yeah. every sort of high intensity piece I go into, I'm like, 
well, I've got to sustain this for like two hours, so I'm <laughs> chilling. But it's funny how like such small little mindset shifts, like going less on something or something like that. Mm. Um, talk to me about your intuitive eating journey. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Is there things that you're kind of learning about yourself? If, is there foods that you're like rediscovering as well? Oh my God, so many. It's given me like my actual life back and like so much of my brain space because I didn't realize how much of my brain I was taken up by thinking about what like macros were in which foods or like how many calories were in which foods and which ones were like allowed and which ones were safe. And now there are like no food rules, even to the point where I don't have to stick to food times and I'm trying to learn how to eat when I'm hungry and also stop when I'm full, which is, and like today I was literally looking at a hunger fullness chart while I was eating my lunch because I struggle with that so much because I eat sometimes as well to combat the stress, which I don't always notice, uh, but I do, it often rears its head when I'm struggling with like a mood episode or the PTSD is like coming up for me. I tend to stress eat and then I get over full and then that's even more distressing for me and that's where we go into territory of like if this got worse it could become a binge and then it could like my eating disorder is bulimia so like it could get really bad and I don't want to end up in that territory so we're trying to teach me how to how to eat within the proper hunger signals and I also found out I had like major panic around hunger so as soon as I was hungry I needed to eat and actually it's okay for me to like Sit, like if I'm in the car somewhere else I don't need to eat immediately I can just wait until I get home the food is going to be there and in certain points in my life we've struggled with like lack of food like there was a bit of food poverty there when I was a child and there are loads of things and also the starving myself in lots of different ways there's loads of things that have caused it it's just kind of understanding and sort of undoing it I can now eat there's still one major fear food that I've not done which is boiling rice from scratch and then just eating an amount of it because I've always weighed yeah. it and I've yeah. always eaten the like the packet rice I used to love doing like my own stir fried rice at home but it just got so scary because I couldn't figure out how many calories were in it that I'm still not there with that but I can now eat pasta if I don't know what the calories are hell yeah all the carbs <laughs> I can eat carbs again yeah yogurt and oats like not being weighed <laughs> when I was on holiday like there was just like a it was like a buffet style breakfast and there was just like yogurt and there was like oh. strawberry yogurt and normal yogurt and that was it there was just a sign and I definitely had some like mind stuff about that and I was like yes yogurt and then every day I was excited to eat the yogurt that That's I didn't amazing. know any nutritional value about um I really appreciate you sharing all that I know there are especially a lot of my one-to-one -one people in Fuzz Culture Club that will definitely relate massively to um, not feeling okay with sitting with hunger because of various different reasons, very similar to the stuff you mentioned. Hunger cues are maybe one of the hardest things to work on because we, a lot of time when people are working like pretty strenuous jobs and they have a set lunch break, they have to eat before work, eat after work. Yeah. There's sometimes not a lot of room for hunger cues. So when you really try and bear them in mind and use that, you know, I don't know what scale you use. I tend to use like a, zero to 10, 10 uncomfortable, zero passed out in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. how I rate it. Um, similar, yeah. And, you know, like not letting yourself get under a two, like there's lots of different ways you can do it, but when you're not mindful of it, it's really hard to lose those hunger cues. And mm. I definitely 
even post ED, I go back to them constantly and I always use that scale. And I think I think with a lot of ED people, what that are in recovery will always need an element of that in a sense. But yeah. it is the nice thing about the intuitive eating journey, sitting back and taking that pause and being like, what do I actually want? Have you like craved anything like really interesting that you would never let yourself have before? It was always ice cream for me. Yeah. Um, or ice cream. Well, weirdly, like all of the sweet foods have been, I was allowing myself those within my macro. So like oddly, it's not been that. Like I've craved salad <laughs> way more than I expected to. And, and I think that's because of the variety that comes in salad and the inability to be able to weigh out all of the different vegetables. Um, when I was like calorie tracking, like, and, and I'll just chuck like olives and bits of carrot and like pickled vegetables and just everything mm -hmm. at the salad and it's the oh, most yeah. exciting thing sandwiches i'm back on them which and i like oh my god you can just put any filling between bread and it's amazing <laughs> yeah no i like i love a good bagel as well which yeah. was a, was a massive fear food for me like allowing myself to have a bagel that wasn't a bagel thin like oh, yeah. it was just a normal bagel like everything has their place like for sure mm. but um just having a bit more freedom is awesome did you did you find it tricky to move away from the food tracking into that more intuitive place at first yeah so hard it felt like absolute chaos <laughs> i didn't know what to do i just felt like i i've never lived this way so how do i function but like after a while it did start to come quite naturally i think and um johnny also like reassured me that once i start eating the foods that i've been depriving myself of i'm gonna probably crave them less and my body can also like it's got the ability to regulate my hunger so even if i feel like i overate in one sitting in the next sitting like it doesn't have to be like sometimes it's the day after but in the next sitting i'll probably want to eat less and I didn't believe him. But then the more yeah. I got into it, I was like, oh, like this is like this is actually a thing. <laughs> my body yeah. does know. Giving up the control of like my fitness pal as something that yeah. I felt like would be impossible. I was like, how do I know? How do I know? Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> you could just check in with yourself. I'm like, no. <laughs> but here we are. Before I got on this call, I was like, I'm taking my girlfriend on a date. I would never have allowed myself to go out for dinner on a Monday night. Yeah. It just things like that. Well, yeah, we never really went out for meals and I would always stick to, I'd always have like a cheat meal. Like it would always be like a burger um, because it would be like something that was banned. And then yeah. me and my partner went out on a date night the other night and I had like a crab and prawn linguine and it was amazing. And like he had the hey. burger and I didn't feel like I wanted the burger because I wasn't deprived of burgers like i can have a burger whenever yeah. i want and honestly i don't really want them a lot of the time <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i think the version of that for me is probably pizza i would binge eat a lot on pizza and now i'll just be like oh yeah i don't really fancy that whereas like previously on like any occasion if the word pizza was said i would have restricted it so much that i would just be like i need to eat a huge one right now yeah. to the point where I feel uncomfortable and then afterwards it almost felt like a punishment and I would punish myself and it's just cool to work through relinquishing that control of the macros and the calories a lot of the time yeah. and you know people will track as a tool but we never we never really want to do it forever we never want to live our life by a calorie counter no I was at a point where I thought that tracking had actually cured my eating disorder and I definitely said I thought that that had happened happened on Instagram which I massively regret and 
it wasn't that. It was that it had stopped me doing the binge purge behaviors, but yep. it had morphed. My eating disorder had tricked me into becoming a new thing, which was tracking <laughs> and restricting. <laughs> yeah, it's not all it's not all black and white with that stuff, is it? No. <laughs> Can we talk about body acceptance? Yeah. Well, the intuitive eating stuff's kind of been a more recent development. That's been over the last couple of months, but the body acceptance happened before that. And even up until maybe, what month are we in now? Maybe the start of this year, I was still calorie tracking, but I was kind of doing it like around maintenance, maybe a small deficit, but like I was eating around 2,000-ish calories. So like previously, I was like on 1,200 calories. Like it was a dramatic deficit. But the weight gain had already happened and I wasn't trying to lose a lot of weight. I wasn't really even trying to lose weight because I'd sort of accepted and realized that health isn't necessarily a weight and health is easily trackable. Like I've got a weep strap that tells me what my heart rate is. I have to get health checks for the medication that I like have to take for my PTSD and my bipolar disorder. I know I'm healthy and I also know I'm fit because CrossFit continually tests my fitness. So why does it matter what my body looks like? And then it's like, well, maybe I should fit these like societal beauty standards. And it's like, well, I don't do that anyway because I've got like a fair amount of muscle mass. I don't care about that. Like I'm not trying to make myself look like small and feminine because that's what society says that I should look like. Like I don't give a shit what people, sorry, I'm not sure I should be swearing. Oh, you can absolutely swear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was already kind of rebelling against the beauty standards anyway. And my partner still finds me attractive. Like I'm in a really lovely relationship where we like each other for who we are and not necessarily what our bodies look like. And I feel like I'm really lucky to have that. Yeah, being in a relationship where it was based on both of you being lean, like who wants that? Who actually wants that? I suppose there's probably some people, but realistically, like relationships based on people being super shredded, yeah. Or maybe not the most stable. No. <laughs> or even just looking a certain way and expecting them to look that way for the rest of their life. Like, I find that weird. But I, I, ju- I just don't relate when people say that they have their preferences and they want them to look a certain way and they want them to, like, look after themselves in quotes, because, but they actually mean they want them to be thin. <laughs> yeah, so the... I have such a problem with people being like, I like someone that looks after themselves yeah. because that's what that means, right? Doesn't yeah. it? Like, you mean thin. You don't mean look after yourself. I look after myself. I am not thin. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I'm like, we both train with our partners. Yeah. And like, I've been with my partner like almost four years and we'll do like a finisher together or we'll go to the gym together. We both look after ourselves and neither yeah. of us are lean. I definitely got to a point where I was super lean, probably not very strong, Mm. And I was just like, this doesn't align with me. And I'm guessing it's maybe similar in like the circle that you kind of exist in sometimes, especially based on some of your shitty comments that you get. But in like the trans mask community, a lot of trans mask people are like these sculpted, ripped gods, um, like with eight packs on testosterone. They've gone through all like the body recomp. And it's really unattainable for people that aren't fitness influencers or aren't genetically like very, very lean anyway. And Mm. I definitely have imposter syndrome and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I regularly have to check myself and challenge myself and be like, nah, you have your own lane and you are happier than most of them because you're authentically yourself and you're not putting pressure on yourself to maintain a super lean physique year round because it's not realistic. 
absolutely so it's almost like there's a there's a different set of beauty standards in your sphere as well and then there is in the even in the body positivity space there's like people that like have thin waists and like genetically they just look like more of an hourglass figure and like sometimes I'm like well I don't feel like I look like that and I do feel like maybe I could just be like the the right kind of curvy or like I try not to get wrapped up in all of the what I feel like people think that I should look like because at the end of the day I'm like blessed with being quite logical and black and white with some things and obviously having grown up on a farm I kind of compare it all to like animals I'm like I don't expect my dog to look <laughs> skinny <laughs> or to look a certain way I love that cows to look skinny <laughs> like <laughs> what am I doing oh my god that is amazing yeah you would never go up to a cow and be like, I think you need to make some lifestyle changes, yeah. sir. Like, <laughs> you need to look after yourself more. <laughs> I, I really like a cow that looks after themselves. <laughs> they all look after themselves. But it's, it's so silly. It just, like, and that's kind of what makes me realise that it doesn't matter what my body looks like because I am an animal. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just, like, at the end of the day, we are part of, like, we're mammals, we're part of a species. We've just in, invented this arbitrary thing, which is is like a beauty standards attached to various different things that feature in our society and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and also when you look at a dog or a horse and they've got a bit of body fat and you're like oh they look really healthy you're not like oh they they look a bit fat maybe they should lose weight you think <laughs> they've got body fat they're healthy <laughs> I'm just now my head is just being like the cows like judge each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, do, do you know what else as well? This is gonna you're not gonna be able to unsee this now. Whenever I see bodybuilding competitions, because I grew up in like farming, it looks like a cattle market to me and I can't unsee it. The way they like show the individual muscles, and I just feel like that that's how they display cows for sale. <laughs> 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 there is a beauty standard for cows in a way but it's invented by humans <laughs> I, I would I, if i was at cow sale i would just want all the ones that didn't get picked i would like make yeah. a little underdog team because i would love <laughs> the quirky yeah no dog. i've never i'm sure like a million people that listen to this will absolutely howl at that because <laughs> i've never thought of it like that um, and there's I, there's definitely coaches Listen, that will listen to this that have dabbled so yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if they felt like they were in a cow market maybe I'll get one on and ask them oh, do um, <laughs> tell me you get a lot of you get a lot of trolls and yeah. I do very much for different reasons you have a big following now and I'm guessing that only gets worse and worse with the following growing despite you you know enriching so many people's lives how does it feel when you post these incredible reels of you doing like sick workouts and someone just like fat shames you on it? Because I see it, I get so angry. Yeah, it happens a lot on YouTube more than anything else. There are a lot of angry cis men that are just pissed off at the world. I think there are a lot of like the alpha male kind of bros, the gym bros. And I think a lot of it is to do with also them feeling like they can't manage their emotions in any other way other than displaying it in anger. <laughs> um, so I kind of, again, being quite a logical person, sort of rationalise it. And I also, the sphere that I worked in was teaching within a, it would formerly be known as a behavioural school, like a mental health school. And the kids would get very escalated and shout a lot of things at you and also try and hit you and stab you with things. So I'm like quite skilled at de-escalating and also 
kind of it's called rational detachment where you just realize that it's all about them and they're just trying to take their anger and then their emotions out on you and I'm human so it gets to me <laughs> sometimes like some will get through but a lot of the time I just try and be like that's a that's an angry person that has not been taught how to regulate their emotions or how to like display any form of emotion in an acceptable way and it's not okay that they're taking it out on me but I just try to not look at the comments and I can't even go through and block them because there's hundreds of them every single day they're just they're disgusting but then also like I have been attracted to people in all different shapes and sizes and it has nothing to do with their opinion on what attractive is because they tell me that I am not attractive and I need to change myself in order to be attractive to them that's what they think and again a symptom of a load of men thinking that <laughs> people in the world should be attractive to them and that is our main function the I mean, male not... gaze <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's the male gaze. yeah it's i could definitely learn a few lessons from how you deal with yours for sure men love to tell me that i've mutilated myself for top surgery and it's kind of funny because i'm like it's so ridiculous again that's like the men being pissed off that you're not trying to be attractive to them like why would you <laughs> yeah like why do they want me to be attractive to them like that yeah. like that surely that's not like very fun when i branched out into youtube with this podcast i realized very quickly with all of my shorts and my podcast episodes that i have to turn all my comments onto approve only and yeah. that stopped that stopped 90% of them because they obviously went to send it and then it's like sent for approval. I thought that TikTok and Instagram were bad and then I went to YouTube and it's worse. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. YouTube is the absolute worst. TikTok can get bad if like one video pops off and then you just get the wrong, wrong audience. Um, yeah, because the, the algorithm just pushes it to all of like the right wing men. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My favorite yeah, thing to think, one. though, when I'm getting those people is that, like, good. Like, I'm glad you don't like my body because, if anything, I really want to repel people like you. And the more that I can do that, the better. Absolutely. What are the things that you're putting in place these days that make you feel really good to manage your, like, mental well-being, your physical well-being? So many things. <laughs> and, like, I worked out I need to move my body and I need to get out in the sun. So I try and do some, like, walks in the morning at the moment. And, like, just stress managing. I've I've just got, a, like, a huge list of little hobbies that I like doing. And I feel like, um, you know, sometimes they say that when you've healed your inner child, you have to start healing your inner teenager. <laughs> I feel like I'm at the teenager stage. And there's nice. loads of these hobbies that are, like, surfacing. And then I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I used to like that. And then I kind of shamed myself out of doing it. And weirdly, some of it is like art. Um, some of it's reading. I used to love reading when I was a kid. And then I've got dyslexia and dyspraxia and a load of other things. And uh, I was told I was a bad and slow reader. And that stopped me from reading completely. And reading was my escape. Like I loved like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Like I was obsessed, like Terry Pratchett, like fantasy books. And then through like book talk <laughs> and also <Kelly laughs> yes. posts a lot about books and she got me hooked on like one book and then I was like just in. So now I nice. read loads and that helps. Are you a Kindle girly? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I love my Kindle. <laughs> I've accidentally ended up on Kindle girly TikTok no, and no. I don't know how that's happened, <laughs> um, but I'm all for it. 
Um, yeah. And like from following you, I think it's really cool that you're revisiting all these things. Like you're really into fantasy. Am I right? Yeah. I read the Akatar series, which is the Court of Thorns and Roses. And then now I'm on Throne of Glass, which is like an eight book series. But it's all like Sarah J. Mass. And it's really, really good. It's very popular, though. So there are a lot of people we're now at the point where people are starting to hate on it because it's got popular. <laughs> oh, is it like Twilight, but not yeah. like Twilight? Yeah. Like the people that grew up <laughs> reading Twilight will love that. there's like it's more like spicy though there's like some scenes in there (laughs) a lot of what you've said will probably go straight over me because i'm a bit useless with fantasy um and my clients have been taking the piss out of me because i'm not into lord of the rings this week so they will love that you have talked about this (laughs) um but a lot of them are very in deep with that stuff so i'm sure if any of them haven't read any of those they'll be great recommendations um do you mind me asking you about your therapy group uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. How have you found that? Because it's it's almost like a taboo subject that people never talk about, but yeah. there is a lot of support groups. How has your experience been with going to a group and getting that in-person support? I had no idea how helpful it was going to be. I didn't know they existed until I've got a social prescriber because I am got referred back to the mental health team for some stuff and they basically brought it up to me. And then honestly it's changed everything it's so good just having other people that I relate to like I've literally got like a life twin in the group where we've been through the exact same struggles the entire time um, which is really tragic because some of the stuff we've both been through is horrendous but it's nice to talk to somebody I don't feel like an alien anymore I yeah I feel so alone and like I'm just broken and then I'm going to a bipolar one in a couple of weeks which my prescriber told me existed which I had no idea Amazing. and I live in Cornwall so it's the middle of nowhere and there aren't a lot of people that have bipolar <laughs> well I'm sure there are but again it's a very small percentage so I didn't expect there to be a group it can be scary though and I think you've got to hop around a bit because I went to one group and it didn't feel that good it was like everybody was piling on the shit that's happening in their life they're really like and and kind of everyone was just sort of bringing each other down and there was no resolution but yeah I'm really lucky in that the person that facilitates the group that I now go to she gets us to do like a kind of a positive and like a challenge and then she's also a trained therapist so she like she very clearly like validates our feelings and emotions and then points out all the things that we've done really well and gives helpful suggestions from like therapy and like other ways so like with when you have a therapist though sometimes you have to hop around yeah it's like finding the right gym or the right coach isn't it like you gotta find the one where you feel that it's like your kind of vibe and yeah super valid with therapists as well the first one isn't always like the one i expected it to be it's just not the case (laughs) yeah it's like dating (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's weirdly it's so strange um so before we wrap up what are your top tips for anyone that just wants to move their body for health well-being performance purposes maybe having a few fun goals that have any sort of history of ED or trauma when it comes to movement or food? 
something that really helped me was like kind of acknowledging what my rules were around exercise and what I'd come up with and like that can be like feeling like you need to burn a certain amount of calories or that, that it has to be a certain duration or that I have to be working out this part of my body because it's going to make my bum look bigger or whatever and kind of get them all out of your head and then make sure that you're not doing it for those reasons and then try and find other reasons like for enjoyment for fun for like skill and practice because like not everybody's gonna like crossfit not everyone's gonna like going to the gym but there's other stuff like going climbing or like i love swimming and i didn't do swimming for so long because i thought it wasn't enough of a workout but i like i've got like a sensory thing with water and i just love it so much (laughs) and it's validating those feelings and then just knowing that no matter what you want to do, whatever that looks like, that is okay. And your body will tell you as well when you feel like you can't like do something that's like super high intensity or, and to listen to that, don't shame yourself into doing it because of some societal pressure that you need to close your Apple rings or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, people, that was Beth Robinson. What a legend. And Beth, if you are listening, I know you said you weren't going to listen to your own episode, but I know you do listen to the podcast. So on the off chance that you do, you're an absolute superhuman. Anyways, you lot, I hope you have an awesome rest of the week wherever you are. Please wish me best of luck with my talk in a couple of days and you will hear it on the podcast next week. Take it easy, Cultivate family. I'm out. <laughs>